So um, try this on and see if this uh, works for you. Say it's a Sunday. Sunday seems like a day where you kind of leave and maybe are gonna put some new plans in the place, right? You come to church in the morning, you hear a really good idea and you think, huh, you know, tomorrow morning, Monday morning, life is gonna be different, right? I'm going to get up early and I'm gonna spend a little time with God. Maybe I'm gonna read some scripture. I'm gonna make, some, make my coffee. It's gonna be a quiet still morning. and I'm gonna go into the week the right way. Like I know I've been going at it too hard and this is gonna be the week. So you think I'm gonna go to bed at 10 o'clock Sunday night. It seems easy, right? Like you got the alarm set for 6 a.m. You're gonna sleep a good eight hours because that's the recommended sleep guidelines. You're gonna get eight hours of sleep. You're gonna wake up at 6 a.m. It's gonna be quiet. It's gonna be a beautiful day and the week is just gonna go perfect, right? So you get close to 10 o'clock and you think, oh no, I forgot to make the kids lunch for tomorrow. So you go in the kitchen, you start making, you're like, maybe I'll just check my email one time, right? You just, just to see if, like, if there's anything at work. Because if, if it's all kind of, the slate's clean before you get to work on Monday morning, it'll start really great. And there it is, DEFCON 1. It's an emergency. Everything is falling apart at work. And you start in the emails, you're doing, you're making the lunch. And all of a sudden it's midnight because you've got 10 more emails from coworkers or parents. Maybe you forgot the class party that's happening the next day and you're making the cake. And all of a sudden it's midnight and you're going to bed, but you've got to take 30 minutes because you've got to get your sleep routine in because you got just right in the bed and fall asleep. And you forgot to charge your Kindle and you don't have your books. So you're reading on your iPad and the blue light, all of a sudden you can't sleep at all anymore. But the problem is you still had your alarm set for 6 a.m. You never switched it to the seven like normal. So you get up at six, you hardly slept at all at night because again, blue light, um, it's all falling apart and you wake up frazzled. So your day is already falling apart. It's already junk because you're so tired. You barely slept, you woke up like every 30 minutes. True fact, did that last night. Uh, kept thinking it was gonna be time to wake up. It was not. Um, so you get up, you're all frazzled and then everybody else heard your alarm. So they're up with you. And that moment of Zen and that quiet you're gonna have in the morning, is all falling apart. Everybody needs your attention. And then little Johnny reminds you, actually just tells you for the very first time, according to you, that his project is due this morning. And you can't let him fail the project because guess what? That means you're a failure. So you help him do the project. You've got it there. You drop him all of his school. You get to work and you're thinking, maybe things will finally get in order. And of course they're not because the workday is busy. And you think if I just eat lunch at my desk or take a break or don't eat lunch at all, things will get caught up. But of course they don't because it just keeps going and going. And then you get to five o'clock, you're going home and you know that once you get to dinner, everything will be better, right? Because uh, whether it's been us at church or someone on a blog told you, if you just have a family dinner, everything's going to be great. I wish I had that family. Um, so you get to dinner and you've made it all and you just think it's going to be this beautiful picture of conversation. Everybody's fighting and they ate their food in about three minutes. It took you an hour and a half to make after you were already tired. And you get done with that. You're finally getting them to bed and you're so tired. All you can do is watch Netflix now. You're going to do all these productive things. You're like, I'm just going to sit down. I'm going to watch one show. When does that ever happen? Now, you don't even have to push the button for the next episode, right? It just does it for you. So it's not like you actively watched 14 episodes that night and made it till midnight. It did it for you. You can even skip the intros now. It's so great. And all of a sudden, you're back to square one, except you're even more exhausted than the night before. And it's just a repeating cycle. Now, some of you listening, they go like, that's ridiculous. I do 10 more things than that every day. You didn't even put enough stuff in there. And I know some of you, you're sick, right? And some of you are like, that's not my thing. Work is my thing. That's just so draining. They're asking me to work in a way I didn't work. Some of you that I've talked to, uh, you're giving care to someone. You are caregiving for a relative and it takes every bit of your energy. Or maybe it's a kid that you can't control them, but they're doing all the wrong things and all of your energy and time is consumed. There's something that's out of rhythm. There's something that's not working. Maybe it's your schoolwork. You can't imagine how you could ever be any busier than that. I remember saying that 10 years ago, any of you? How could I be busier than that time 10 years ago? Um, it's this 
never ending cycle of never being able to get caught up, right? And it just feels like something's out of whack. And I remember when I got uh, on the list and we were talking about sermons, I was so excited to be able to share this one about Sabbath and rest because I thought this would be one of those few times that I actually get to uh, teach on something that I'm doing okay with and not out of a complete failure stance, right? And I had just gotten back from Malawi. Things were kind of going well. There was like a kind of a good rhythm to life. And then again, we can blame Irma or school or insert name here. Something happened and life is all thrown off and I'm just barely crossing the finish line to get in here. I remember trying to do this and I thought, if I can just find a Sabbath day for our family, if we can just put this into practice one time before we do this, I can talk about this great experience. I think we had like a Sabbath, like 10 minutes one time, uh, trying to get into it and all this. And it's just, it's not working and things are off. And, and, and it was to the point, there's a, there was a quote that I wrote down a couple weeks ago that I thought was so perfect. And um, here it is. It says, uh, Wayne Mueller in a book called Sabbath, which is a good book for a topic like this. Um, he said, if we do not allow for a rhythm of rest in our overly busy lives, illness becomes our Sabbath. Our pneumonia, our heart attack, our accidents create Sabbath for us. And when I got to Tuesday of this week and I'm sick and I thought, oh, there it is again. There's that story because that's a part of my story. For the first 10 years I was doing ministry, I was on Young Life staff. And I remember very clearly at 23, 24 years old, um, every time I'd go to holiday, every time we get that to, you know, to Christmas or Thanksgiving, and it's supposed to be this really restful, joyous time around family, I was always sick. I was living on adrenaline so much and just pushing it so hard that by the time I got to the place I thought I was gonna be able to enjoy, you're just sick. And in fact, I missed Thanksgiving one year and that's like my Super Bowl, people. Like I love grandma's stuffing. Like it's, I mean, picture your Super Bowl, that's mine. And um, I missed all the food because I'm in my room sick the whole time. And, and, and it was this cycle and it's taken me so long to be able to learn the symptoms of going too hard and of just living out of margins, of living out of a cup that's empty. And I think when we're quiet or when we're still or when the symptoms around us show us or when we're actually able to be honest, we know there's something that's off. We know something isn't working right. We keep trying to do that one more thing that should fix us or fulfill us or make things better. And it just turns into the one more thing. Uh, it, maybe it comes out for you in the exhaustion. You're just so tired, you can't focus anymore. Maybe it's the emptiness that comes along with all of the busyness and it's just nothing is filling you up the way it should. Maybe it's just that sense that something is broken in life, that things are just not working. Um, it really hit me a few weeks ago. We've gotten to this point uh, where we have to have people to tell us how much sleep we need, right? Like it's not that far in our distant past where you would go to sleep when the sun went down and you woke up when the sun was up and you're kind of in a natural rhythm with everything else going on. If you go camping or hiking, you know it doesn't take long to kind of get back in that circadian rhythm. But I'm sitting at a football game with 80,000 other people and, and one of the announcements is, Make sure you get between seven to nine hours of sleep at night. And there's a chart that goes along with it. We have paid someone to come up with a chart. We have to have people tell us, like, we don't know to go to sleep when we're tired and to wake up when we're rested, like, because we've put in so much extra stuff into our life. And I tend to read a lot of articles and stuff and like to keep up with what's going on. And over the last year or two, there's been so much about this idea that we're just beyond our levels of what we can do, of, of what it takes to be able to do good work anymore. There's so much of the studies coming out now that we need to slow down to be able to do good work, that we need to create space so that we can have creative and productive work. There's one that says the busier you are, the more quiet you need. Harvard Business Review, just this year, uh, so many of the studies are coming out that you have to be able to create these spaces where you're quiet so that you can have good thoughts. I know for me, that's often the shower. It's like the few minutes you get where there aren't people pestering you or your phone going off, unless you're like some people and just put it in a Ziploc bag so you never have to leave it, right? Um, 
Another one said, idle moments are crucial for creativity. And it's stuff that we know, like deep down, we know when we slow down, we're able to be more creative, we're able to do better work, but like we have to keep kind of coming back. Like it takes sometimes seeing a headline to remind us. There's another one, how solitude enriches creativity and creative work. So the kind of the science is starting the back of some of the stuff that we feel that's off in our life. And one of the ones that also really hit me is at a, a conference where there's all these great teachers and, and uh, thought leaders on leadership and it's for the church and business. Um, and one of the companies, there's a company that you pay them to help you create white space at work, to help you create places for people to be quiet at work. So you pay this company to come in and tell your employees to slow down for a few minutes, right? And then like here, make room for aha, breakthrough, game-changing ideas. Like it used to be you would just kind of walk out of your office and maybe take a walk around and you knew how to do this on your own. But we've gotten to a point where we have to have people to do it for us. Um, I remember 10 years ago, it's almost, you know, I think it was this summer, Steve Jobs got up in front and said, hey, this is gonna change your life. And I think I heard that for the better, right? If I have everything here, this is gonna help me be productive in the right way so that I can spend more time with the people I love, with my family, with my work, and be able to do better ideas. And I don't know about you, but this thing has gotten me more twisted up than almost anything else. Like the, the dopamine rush of every pain that comes in and every like and everything else. And I find that instead of spending time with my family, often it's a blue screen in front of my face and my kids saying, where are you, dad? Are you, are, are you watching? And it's gotten to the point now, there's a company called Yonder that is actually creating... Uh, uh, little bags, uh, and this next one here, um, you take your phone and you go to like a concert or something like that and they want you to be able to experience it. And let me see this next slide here. It shows you, you, you get a bag and you put your phone in it and you lock it and it makes your phone not ring, but you keep it on you so they're not taking your phone from you. Like we can't even turn our phone off for a few minutes to experience something else. So we're paying somebody else to help us do this for us. Things are out of whack. Things are out of rhythm. Things are broken in the midst of this. And all of these things are good, right? Like in its very nature, like a phone is probably neutral. But in, in, in the reality of how we end up using it, we're cramming more and more and more stuff in, trying to get more and more done. And we find that we're less and less happy. We're less productive. We're seeing anxiety levels off the chart, uh, depression levels off the chart as they're looking at people who um, use social media more and more, like the effects on our, our, our mood is, is deteriorating. Something's not right. And so we might even recognize that, right? Like we see some of that or maybe we just know inside of us like there's something that's not working and there's something off. But then there's this extra layer on top of it of, well, what if I just turn my phone off, right? Like what if I just put it on silent and I don't respond to the boss's text the first time or I turn off my email for a little bit? What's gonna happen to me? Right? Are I gonna lose a position at work? Will I be penalized for this? If I take a day off, are my teammates gonna think I'm a slacker? And so we let fear oftentimes drive our decisions. And we don't wanna, even though we know what we need, we know what needs to happen for our lives to be healthy, for our families to be healthy, for our relationships, for our creativity, to actually be able to do the good work that we wanna do. And yet sometimes we let the fear hold us back from even doing those little things. I will tell you in the midst of all of this, God is not surprised. God is not surprised how you and I are wired. God is not surprised that you and I are forgetful. God is not surprised that you and I think that we can do it on our own. One of the most reassuring things that I have found over these last few months, especially uh, working through this series, is that over and over again, God institutes rhythms into our life, uh, into our forgetful places. He knows that we're wired up post-fall to do things on our own. He knows that we think we can do so much and that we're gonna be our own little production engines. And he creates these rhythms in our life as a way to remember him. A couple of weeks ago, we spoke of communion and this communion meal. 
And one of the things we were talking about is that this meal was offered in a room of forgetfulness, in a room where his disciples and just some of them minutes later were forgetting the lessons he had taught as they fought over who was gonna be a leader, as they were going to forget the promises that he made as they locked themselves in a room. In the days following, as Peter would deny him, they were forgetting who they were and all these things. And, And Jesus had offered them a meal and said, remember me, remember, because he knew they were going to forget and forget often. And in the same way, um, God has offered us a, a rest. He's offered us a way to remember him, a way of a rhythm of life of remembering. So today we're gonna be looking at Deuteronomy chapter five, verses 12 through 15. And this is the telling of the 10 commandments. Um, the 10 commandments we find, they were written to God's chosen people. He had chosen these people, Israel, to be a show people for him. He had said, I am going to rescue you from slavery. I'm going to take you to the promised land and your love for me and the way we operate together is gonna be so attractive that the rest of the world will see you and ask questions and wanna be attracted to me. So he set them apart and then he gave them some rules of life on how to live. And he gives them twice. There's one in Exodus and Deuteronomy. They list these same 10 rules. But what's really interesting is there's only one of the commandments where he has offered an explanation of why they had to do it. And we find it here in Deuteronomy chapter five, verses 12 through 15. It's on your bulletin if you wanna follow along or in your Bible. It says, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do no work, or you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, nor donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your town so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Now, this is the exact same as it is in Exodus as it is here. But then there's this interesting extra verse right here, 15. It says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Then it continues on, therefore the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. There's a couple of words I think you need to pay attention to as you read through scripture uh, that point things out. One is therefore. It's usually there for something. It's making you look at something. So therefore, that one's always stuck out to me. And remember is another one. Remember is a very active word. I think sometimes we can read it as a passive. Remember, like it's something you kind of do in the back of your mind. But I think oftentimes the word is there, remember of an action of something you need to do. And he says, remember you were slaves. See, these people uh, that this was written to, God's people, not that long before had been trapped in Egypt. Their life, their worth, everything about them was defined by what they could produce. So they would wake up, they would make bricks and go to sleep. As soon as they could stop making bricks, their worth was gone. All they were useful for was what they could produce as they were enslaved by the Egyptians. So God rescues them out and he's taking them to the promised land. And on the way, he gives them a Sabbath. Now, the other commands are so straightforward. The, the Ten Commandments says, do not commit murder, do not steal, do not do, uh, commit adultery. But this is one he's given them to do. The other ones are like, do not do. And this is one of the ones to do. He gives them this rest, this reminder of who he is. And he says, remember, remember that you were trapped and that I rescued you. You did not take yourself out of this place where you were. I rescued you and slow down and stop and remember. And not only remember, but I will provide for you. See, as they were traveling, as they were stuck there, he was giving them food. He was providing manna for them. And as they collected it, they'd have enough food for seven days. Uh, they would work for six, but uh, through that, they would have enough food for the seventh day where they could uh, remember where they could relax, where they could stop work and be reminded that God had them taken care of. They got seven days of pay for the six days of work. They were living in this rhythm where God was at the center of it. Now, if they tried to save more food than that and thinking maybe we can take two days off at the end of it, the food would go bad. It was a very quick reminder that God is in control. 
God is not surprised by us forgetting. He knew early on, even as they were in the midst of, even as they were seeing food produced from the ground, like just food popping out of nowhere, you would think that would remind you of God pretty quick, right? Like it's like your food, your fridge is all of a sudden full of buffalo chicken dip, just an example. Um, you would think you would know that there's something really incredible happening and here they were forgetting it. But the Sabbath flips everything around. It takes us out of what we can do and reminds of what God is doing. It was made for us. That This wasn't a thing on a checklist that we had to do. That The Sabbath, this rest, this reminder was actually made for us. And it reminds us that God is God. It was created for them to remember collectively who he was. And it also reminds us of who we are not. We are not God. We are not the ones who can do everything. God is the one who can do it. You and I, uh, this may come as a shock and a disappointment to many of you, but we've been created with limits. We are not made to go full steam all the time. You are not made to be able to do everything. You need help. I'm sorry, I said it out loud. Um, that's hard to, we love to live in this society where everything we've done, we've made ourselves, we pull ourselves up by the bootstraps, right? Like the myth that we earn everything we have. The Sabbath reminds us that God is God, that we have been created with limits on purpose to drive us back to him, to rest, to be restored by him. Um, one of the beautiful things it also acknowledges is that work is good. It says the six days of production, the six days of work is good. That work is not just something that is a product of the fall, of brokenness. Work is actually something God created us to do. He made, creates us to make things. He creates us to bring beauty to the world. He, he, he creates us to fix broken things. He does all of this. But in the midst of it, there's also a part of rest, a part of renewal and restoration by him. Um, if we just work all the time and there's no rest, something is out of balance. And in the same way, on the flip side of that, if there's just rest, that's idleness. That's also not his desire. There's production and there's rest and they work together to produce our life in rhythm. We need to be able to create space to do this. Uh, this has been given to us as a gift. This again, is not like a checklist item of things to have you do. This was a gift from God. Um, it's been really interesting to read more and more about this. And I will tell you, it is not out of something of a personal experience because I have not done well with this. This is not a rhythm that my family has gotten into. We've tried and my prayer and my hope is as you guys are trying to do this, that we will be doing it along with each other. We haven't figured out this rhythm fully. There are pieces of it where I sometimes get it right uh, for me, but it has been a really hard one. But, but this, this rhythm of Sabbath is not just tuning out. I'm really good at that. Like I can tune out all day. I love reading fiction and watching Netflix and doing all these things. And there's nothing wrong intrinsically with that, but Sabbath is not that. It's not tuning out. It's not turning off. Like those are helpful things and we do those. Those can be things that be, uh, are good for us. But Sabbath is actually tuning into something. It's tuning into God. It's being restored by God. As I've uh, read a lot of people who have been practicing Sabbath and talked to several of them. It's been really interesting. Uh, many of them are, you know, kind of living on this side. Uh, they're Christians, that this is not part of their background where the Sabbath is very prevalent in, uh, the, in Judaism and folks keep it. These are more uh, the folks I've been reading or talking to that are Christians and trying to put into this practice of Sabbath in their life. And it has been so interesting. I'd say in 10 of the 12 people that I read or talked to, there is a word that they kept using over and over again. And it's a word that is not common in my vernacular that I don't use very often. And it was delight. They said they couldn't fully explain what Sabbath was. They could tell you what they did and they could tell you what was happening, but they couldn't fully explain what they were experiencing other than to use the word delight, that they felt delight in God. But beyond this, that they felt delighted in by God. They felt God's delight upon them. And I thought that is just, I mean, I think if I'm honest in my deepest yearnings of my soul, that's what I want 
right? To be able to rest and know that God, the creator of the universe, the one who put all in order delights in me. Like that's hard to admit in some ways because there's a lot of other things that you want. But like when I rest, when I'm really honest, like if I could just hear that over and over on a regular basis, wouldn't my life look so different that just the way I am, as messed up as I am, as broken as I am, and all those pieces that God delights in that version of me and continues to grow in me. And I love that those folks kept pulling that out of this idea of Sabbath, that they were letting God recharge them, speak into their life. Um, the tension in all of that too is that um, if we were to do this rest, right? If we were to take this day and this time off, it can feel really lazy, right? It's that tension of if we call in sick or we put the phone off, it, it can feel like we're being lazy. And it's been really interesting in Ecclesiastes 10.10, um, it's speaking of an ax to do work. And it says this, if the iron on the ax is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength, but wisdom helps one to succeed. If you've ever tried to do work with an instrument that's not right, a, a pencil that's not sharpened all the way or an ax that's not sharp or a knife, a saw that doesn't have a good blade on it, the amount of work you have to put into it is twice, three times as much. And often the end result isn't as good because the tools were not in the right shape. And the wisdom in Ecclesiastes is if you use a sharpened instrument, you're able to do better work with less effort. And one of the incredible things about Sabbath and being in a rhythm of rest and production is that the work we're able to produce uh, is better. We're able to do more if we relax. It's very counterintuitive to everything that we think because productivity looks like doing everything we want all the time whenever we can. But this idea of Sabbath flips it around and says, no, if you rest in me, if you let me delight in you, if you receive this, let me recharge you. The work you're gonna produce in those six days will be better than any other work that happened before. The, the tool you will be sharper in the midst of all of this. And what's so great is that thousands of years later, science is actually catching up to this and actually proving this. I mean, I just did a quick Google search on uh, this idea of uh, productivity and rest because it's something I'm seeing pop up a lot. And just the first two of you know, many pages of results were relax, you'll be more productive. For real productivity, less is more. I mean, it's been here all along, right? And we're just now coming back to it because we've kind of thrown life so out of whack. So here's, here's the ideal. The ideal is a whole day off. It's work six and rest one. And it's a big ideal. I mean, that is a huge leap to get to, right? To think about taking a full day off. And the folks I've talked to, and again, this is speaking out of desire and not so much out of practice. Um, but people that I've heard who do this really well will oftentimes go to church in the morning and then go home and have a big meal together as a family. And then here's a really crazy idea. They take a nap and they rest and they get up and they just kind of slowly move through the day. And the way they describe their day, again, they use that word delight. They use the words of, uh, of joy and enjoying one another. And then their weeks start in a different way. Um, this idea is, uh, and, and the goal of all of it is a Sabbath day. And that's not necessarily alone. That's with a community that can be a restful, intentional inviting of people over to embrace the Sabbath with you to take part in a rest. My hope for you and, and, and the, the part that I so strongly felt like I wanted to share uh, with you is to start somewhere is to start with resting somewhere. For, for some of you, maybe that's just getting to lunch after church and resting for the afternoon. Maybe it's an afternoon Sabbath. It's a start, it's a step. For some of you, that might just be a Sabbath walk of like intentionally walking with God, of creating space in the midst of your life. I, I was talking to someone after the first service um, who's retired now, and he said one of the interesting things, he thought he would just be relaxing all the time because now he didn't have work to do. And he said he never practiced his practiced his relaxation muscle uh, when he was working. So he doesn't know how to use 
use it now. And it's taken him years to figure it out. It's a muscle, it's a discipline. There will never be enough time. You have to create it. You have to set it aside for it to happen. It will not magically appear one day. Though if it does, it'll probably be in your illness or somewhere else where you don't want it. We need to start somewhere. I know for me, one of the ways that I feel most rested and that has been helpful for me has been in silence and solitude. As I talk to a lot of my friends, especially those um, who are doing ministry of some sort, that is the thing that they crave the most is just silence, a place to slow down and stop. And also is most oftentimes the hardest thing they find to do because it feels so um, lazy. I mean, that's the word that keeps coming back. It feels like we're not being productive. There's something wrong with me that I need to do this. Well, um, I... There's someone who did this on a pretty regular basis. And I kind of like the guy's name is Jesus. Um, one of my favorite passages in all of scripture is in Mark 135. Uh, Jesus' ministry is just getting started and, and things are going really well. It's up and to the right. And it says very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place and prayed. Jesus, who's God, who is God incarnate. He had everything at his disposal yet knew his limits. He needed to recharge. He needed to spend time with his Abba. I love that word, that tender word for God, this father. And he knew he needed to retreat. He had limits in the midst of it, and he modeled out. So silence and solitude may be one of those places for you where you find Sabbath rest. My, my hope through all of this though is that in the series on rhythm is that you will find and try on some of these different practices and to see what works. There are some of these that work really well in different seasons of our lives. There are things that we need to institute in certain places that maybe not others. And there's some of them that you will try and they won't work for you. And that's okay. And some of them you may try and you need to try harder because it didn't work the first time and it takes a while to get there. And someone will be like, this is not the season for it. But my hope is that through all of these, you'll hear some different practices, some different ways of getting closer to the Lord that will actually fuel you that will make your life better. And I think this is one of those. I think Sabbath rest is one of them because I think if we get this right, if we can put this back in rhythm, get our lives in rhythm, and ha a lot of things um, happen in the midst of that. Um, our work is better. The production out of our life is better. Our families are healthier. Our relationships are healthier. Our actual health is better. There's like a physical side of this too that gets better. Uh, the ways that we speak to one another is better. Um, the ways that we're able to serve the world is better. And, and I think one of the things that happens if we live life in rhythm uh, as the church, we look different. And, and the world is looking for hope. The world is looking at us going like, you guys are doing the same thing I'm doing and your marriages are falling apart just as fast as ours are and all these things. And you look just as exhausted as I do. And I think this is one of those areas that if we practice it well and we speak lovingly to one another and we're loving the world around us, it's one of those areas we actually have an advantage of as we follow the Lord, as we're renewed and rested in Him. Um, that's an incredible hope that we would be able to love more and look more like Him by doing something so counterintuitive of resting in Him. Um, I'm gonna share with you a story on the video here. It's my friend, Darling. She's been experiencing uh, and putting in the practice some of the Sabbath and this rest. And I'd love for you to hear a little bit about what she's been experiencing as she's tried this out in her life. 